Hi there, House Culture listener. If you enjoy this episode or have enjoyed listening to other episodes in our series, please support and donate to us through the Acast Supporter feature. All donations will help us create the content that you love listening to. You can decide how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So it could be a one-off and every now and then or once every time you listen. It's really up to you. Click on the supporter link in the episode description and with Google or Apple Pay, it will take you less than 30 seconds to make your contribution. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Bongo Ben, and you're listening to the House Culture Podcast. House Culture. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the House Culture Podcast hosted by me, the Managing Editor at House Culture, Matt Rouse. As ever, I hope you're all managing to stay safe and sane. Things are continuing to change back and forth at the moment, so I hope we can cure some of that frustration you might be having by delivering some good vibes from the club directly into your lockdown life at home. If you're not familiar with House Culture and what we stand for, We are a collective of house music fans who have come together through our mutual love of the beat to celebrate the spirit of house music. Instagram is our home at housecultureNet. That's where you can get up close and personal with us and like-minded individuals from across the world. And if you haven't been listening to our podcast series, where have you been? This second season has been our biggest yet, featuring interviews with legends such as Fatboy Slim, Danny Rampling and Ashley Beadle. Make sure you have a dig through all of our past episodes and even if you don't recognise the name of the person we're sitting down with, I guarantee you that they will have a fascinating story to tell. Speaking of which, in this episode we're not talking to a DJ or a promoter or a producer. This time we're speaking to a percussionist, a man who has been banging away alongside big name DJs for the past 10 years. It's Bongo Ben. In this chat, we'll hear who it was who first inspired him to pick up some drums. That's where it started, I think. Magic Fingers. It was amazing. I was fixated on it. Everyone's dancing around me and I'm just staring. And it was incredible. That was kind of my first taste of live percussion in a club. The challenges he's faced in terms of honing his skill. I told people and I got laughs. They were like, what are you talking about? I've got no musical background. I didn't go to drum school. I've got absolutely nothing. It's, it's come out of nowhere for me. The places he's played and the people he's played alongside. And before we knew it, it was me, MK and Idris playing in the toilets. That was my first gig at high as well. And it's only when you wake up next morning and think, that was a moment. And just how special it can be conducting part of that collective euphoria we know is clubbing. You're playing and it's the first ever day party in Amnesia's 45 year history. And I've gone on with Jason by just as the sun set him and he drops that gap decor passion. And yeah, I've never felt a feeling like it down my neck and on my arms. I've got goosebumps before, but not like that. As you're here, this interview was recorded just before one of the last lockdown parties, which was Clockwork Orange at Magazine. So some of the bits mentioned can seem a bit out of context during these weird times. However, I wanted to keep as much of this chat in as possible as it's such a good one. I hope you enjoy it. This is Bongo Ben. House Culture. Hi, Ben. Hi, Matt. Good afternoon. <laughs> Good afternoon. Uh, thanks for finding the time to sit down with us on the House Culture Podcast. You've, uh, you've been banging the bongos for a few years now. <laughs> One uh, way to put it. <laughs> appearing at uh, major events and festivals from the UK through to Ibiza. But what we want to try and do is understand 
before you got started with any percussion, yep. tell us about your relationship with dance music and the clubbing scene to um, begin with. So I always kind of, there was always a void left in me where I thought, I wish I'd been part of the 90s, which I'm sure anyone my age who's into their dance music now probably thinks the same. And I'd, I'd love to say that was part of the acid house scene, the warehouse scene, the, the birth of it all. And obviously I was, I was not even close to being old enough. So I came into it when it was more the funky house days. And believe it or not, people would actually get dressed up for, for raves <laughs> and, and, and going out. But... You'd go out and you'd have a shirt on and you'd have a blazer and you'd get really smart, almost looking like the 60s again. We'd have like the, the, the skinny tires and the, the shirts and the winkle pickers. And, <laughs> but you'd be listening to, to Funky House and then later on Tech House. And yeah, it was, a, it was a, looking back now, it was a strange kind of combination. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, that, that all started probably the, the warehouse days. So yeah. Edmonton, so you had brands like Motherfunkers, yeah. um, Be Somebody, where they were booking people like Proc and Fitch. Barbara Tucker was doing like PAs. I mean, she still is now. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff. Um, Soul Avengers. Paul Gardner was a legend yeah. at Warehouse, the resident. Um, that kind of music w- was what I was kind of into. Um, it wasn't obviously the first dance music I got into, but legally going out, <laughs> it, it was the it was the birth of that. So... Yeah, this was about 2005, 2006. Yeah. So you had like Legends in Barking, you had Warehouse in Edmonton, you had Opium in Romford, you had Faces, which has got to be one of the longest clubs in Britain. It must be. <laughs> um, that kind of that kind of era. Um, and, and yeah, and I just fell in love with it straight away. It was the vocals, it was the uplifting. Um, and it was just everyone making an effort almost. Yeah. The girls were, were glammed up, the guys were really, really smart. But you're listening to, to house music, yeah. Which, like I said, now you you wouldn't really put the two together. No, I mean you know it was so looking back at that era as well. The BPMs were really quite high. It's like yep. quite fast to be dancing around in all your so of yeah. So you're Dolce <laughs> and Gabbana and so it's really really quick, and you've got about three layers on. Yeah, and you have got your tie on. It's like almost now. It's like a wedding. It's the end of the night wedding, and you, you're still trying to dance, and you won't take that blazer off. No, you won't see it again. <laughs> And the girls won't take their heels off either. No. And they'll be limping for a week. But um, yeah, that, that was that was the era. I, I've always been a music man, but not percussion. I never even thought of that. Yeah. So, I mean, what we found when we've spoken to people in this podcast is that they'll, they'll have like a clubbing life or discover the music and then they'll go out and start buying a vinyl and trying to be a DJ and all that kind of stuff. Was yep. there ever a moment where you went down that route before um, you started percussion? I collected a lot of CD compilations when I was about 12, 13. Long story short, my, my brother was one of the founders of Clockwork uh, with Danny and Andy. And <clears throat> it's always been in our, in our household, not just house music, but, but music. And um, I got brought up with that with my mum and dad from Stevie Wonder, all the Motown stuff, to Elton, um, to Elvis, to Sinatra, to everything really. And then the funk, um, soul, all that stuff. There's not really a genre I didn't cross. So for me, it was just music from day one. And then kind of I started realising what my brother was involved in. And um, that was kind of an interest. Um, but obviously I was nowhere near old enough. So you go Woolworths and you buy the compilations, <laughs> 14, 15 quid as well yeah. for like two, three CDs. And it was like, I think there was one compilation, I think it was Judge Jules or Tall Paul had done it. And um, yeah, them days it was trance. When I was like 13, it, it was trance. So I grew up on like Sandstorm, Darude, York on the Beach, <laughs> Castles in the Sky, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, now you're talking some BPMs on that as well. Oh, proper BPM, <laughs> yeah. So I, I didn't really know any different. I thought that was yeah. clubby music and there wasn't really subgenres. Yeah. Obviously there was. And then you got like a couple of years later, there's more compilation. It started changing. I had like... Um, David Morales needing you and things like that on it and then you as a like 14, 15 you start building up in your head God is this what he's like oh my god I've got to go there one day I have to Yeah. and my brother tell me stories he's like there's 16 years difference between us so for me it was just like where is this place where is this paradise that you keep talking about <laughs> I don't understand it um, but even my dad would would, um, would go to a clockwork bless him um, like I think they'd done a party in 95. I've got a good photo at home and there's like my dad, my brother, Danny, Andy, wow. a few of the others. And it was like a, 
VE special. So they're all in like British soldier uniform. and <laughs> But they got my dad to um, walk up and down the line yeah. for a clockwork party dressed as a German soldier. Like in role as well, just screaming at people like, get in line. <laughs> he was about 50 then, but he had like a Tom Selleck moustache. Amazing. And he had his Ray-Bans on, so he looked like a proper German soldier. Yeah. Only at clockwork. Yeah, only at clockwork. And um, that, yeah, so he's kind of always been in the in the family. Yeah, yeah, totally. So uh, when that first clubbing experience you had when you were finally old enough to go to a club, Do you know, did, my, was it, as it was the promised a, land? It was a first holiday, so it wasn't even Ibiza, it was Tenerife. Yeah. And um, again, I'd, obviously I'd been listening to all the compilations and listened to the music, but you listen to it, but you never think you're going to go and see these people. You just think it's a name on a, on a compilation yeah. on the back of a CD. Mm-hmm. And um, it was Judge Jules at Tramps in Tenerife in 2000 and 2006, I think it was. And, um, oh, this is so embarrassing. But <laughs> I, uh, I really wanted an autograph. And then it was uh, kind of the only thing you would do. You Obviously, you can get photos. Yeah. No one would take photos. No one had... You're lucky to, to not have an aerial on your phone. <laughs> like, they were like, we haven't got a pen. I was like, please, just sign something. I didn't even know who Judge Dogs was, to be honest. I just knew that he'd made the compilation I'd listened to yeah. four years earlier. And, um, yeah, they let me go out of the club, and I found a shop where I bought a pen, <laughs> came back, and got him to sign... I don't even know what it was. It must have been a flyer. And must have lost it by the time I got back to the hotel. Man. Quite tragic, really, but there you go. Did you um, still have the pen? I don't have the pen. I don't have the flyer. I don't... <laughs> The memories, that's all I've got. But we ended up on the same flyer about 10 years later, ironically. That's incredible. That's incredible, the journey. So yeah. yeah, let's kind of talk about that, I suppose. So these clubbing experiences you were having, um, did you see any live percussionists or anything going on at these yeah. things? And that was the inspiration? That's where it started, I think. Magic Fingers, uh, Martin, is is an absolute legend in, in Essex Clubland <clears throat> and beyond. I mean, he's been playing since, blimey, He'd probably correct me on this, but I think 95, 96, he's been playing since. And he was the, the, the resident of Warehouse. And you go there on a Saturday night, and this was the afters. You go opium, then you go Warehouse at, at one o'clock in the morning. And he'd be there. He'd be there with like Paul Gardner and, and the rest of them. And I'd never seen anything like it. It's live drums. He's got the biggest setup you've ever seen, all mic'd up. He's making it look easy. It looks like he's playing on chopsticks which actually later on in life I, I did use chopsticks and it didn't work. So they weren't chopsticks, actually, what Magic was using. But anyway, they, they, they looked like it. And um, it was amazing. I was fixated on it. Everyone's dancing around me and I'm just... One of them moments where you, you're just staring and you're just like, how are you in so time with the music? Yeah. And it was incredible. And um, that was kind of my first taste to, to live percussion in a club. Yeah. And again, this was 2000 and six 2007 I was only 18 and um yeah it was incredible absolutely incredible and then I told my brother and he, he hadn't heard of magic because it's again it's a different generation to that he was before magic um but he went well have a look at these guys and um so there was two one of them was Pav yeah Pav was resident of Manumission and Head Candy and and Radio One as well he'd done the live video with Roger Sanchez and Danny Ramplin at Mambo 2001 never forget that video I've watched it over and over and over and um, and it was incredible and I, and I started messaging Pav and um, was like I really love what you're doing blah 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 I'm like, this is what I do and he was really like welcoming stuff mm-hmm. um, I'll get onto this later but basically the first meet I had with Pav was, was in Ibiza um, and, and that was that and then the other person was Shovel Yeah. and Shovel for me is, is still the king and I've never met Shovel have you not? Not to this day. No way. Not not to this day. I've never met him. And um, obviously, for for people that don't know, he was the he was M People's mm-hmm. percussionist, among other things, as well as Defected and Glitterbox. Yeah. And um, again, I found this video of him playing in Goa for Defected with with Simon Dunmore in two thousand eight, and um, I was just fixated on this set of what he was doing, and and that was it for me. And yeah. I can still in my head remember what he does and plays I've watched it that many times um, so between the three of them from Magic being live to Shovel and Pav just watching continuously on YouTube that was it for me um, yeah. it was kind of the next step no what way. I wanted to do and I, and I told people and, I, and I, I got laughs naturally they were like what are you talking about you got no musical background 
and I haven't. I've got no musical background. I've got, um, I didn't go to drum school. Yeah. I've got no grades. I've got, I've got absolutely nothing. It's, it's come out of nowhere for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, I, I saw something and I wanted to do it. Yeah. And if you want to do something that bad, it, it's not a chore to learn it. It's, no. it's a passion. And if you're that fixated on it, you will pick it up eventually. Yeah, it's kind of meant to be in that way, I suppose. If it's like, you know, you've had none of this schooling or any, or this education, it's just a feeling that you go no. with and you get good at it. Yeah, I mean, I, that doesn't mean anyone who's gone to, to drum school is is <laughs> is not doing it properly. Mm. I mean, I, I've got friends who've done it and they're, they're unbelievable. Um, and they've, they've learnt for years and years and they're incredible drummers. I'm not a drummer. I've never really have been. But for percussion and especially African percussion and... Mm-hmm using my hands I'd, I'd found a passion immediately and and that was it and i just see it connected yeah and i've never kind of stopped doing it. it it actually started from just playing on a on a car dashboard at traffic lights yeah so what little was, things like that what was the first kind of how did you get your first set of bongos i suppose it was well it was late 2009 and um i was i actually picked up promoting and I was doing promoting because I needed a bit more cash. And there was um, Facebook had only been around about two years, and there was people actually advertising it, saying like, "Anyone who's who's sociable or goes out and stuff, do you want to earn a few more quid? Get in touch." Mm-hmm. I said, like, oh, "I know a few people from living in London, and then I moved to Essex, and I've got a lot of group of mates, different groups." I said, "Well, I'm sure they'll come down." I said, "I'll do it. What have I got to do?" And he said, "Literally come down. This is this was like Sugar Hut in Brentwood, mm-hmm. and that had again that had only been open a few years." Um, and it was quite an exclusive place at the time. Um, so you had Sugar Hut, you had Faces, you had Opium, and um, and 195 in Epping. And they said, different promoters, and they said, look, come down. Um, for any name you get on the guest list, you get a quid. I was like, a quid? So like, yeah, yeah, but you get free drink as well. I went, oh, go on then. <laughs> so, uh, so I did that, and this was late 2009. And um, again, I was, in, I was in a club, and uh, there was a guy playing the drums. This time he he actually um, I'd known him from Upminster and he he'd been playing probably about six months or so, and um, my wife had gone to school with him and I, and I said look I'd love to have a go. His name is James. Um, said, I'd love to have a go. He went I tell you what you you can play with me um, like next gig. I went all right brilliant. So um, the promoter who had booked me for to be a promoter he said um, well I heard you're doing drums now I'll give you a gig in March. I went brilliant. So me and another friend who was into it, we bought um, we bought a pair of fifty pound bongos offline. I, f- I don't know what mate they were, I don't know what state they were in, but we bought them. And he had a little uh, shed at the bottom of his garden, and we just go go there on a like Tuesday or Wednesday night and just play, yeah. Blast out the CDs that we've been given in the car park the week before, <laughs> blare them out and just smash them to bits. Yeah, I couldn't tell you to this day where we were in time or how we connected with it. I don't know what happened, um, but the moment I hit it. That was it. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm on this. Yeah. I, I, I know what I want to do. Um, Cameron, he'll forgive me if he ever listens to this. He he, he liked it, but I don't know if he picked it up <laughs> as well. Um, or it, Listen, if, if you're passionate in it, it's not in it. Yeah. Um, but both of us, yeah, we had a good go. Um, and we actually, before that Romford gig, another person said, would you like to play downstairs at Warehouse? And that would have been... Ironically, next week, 10 years. Wow. Decade. Next week. 10th anniversary this yeah. year. Amazing. And I, all I remember is it's, it was Be Somebody uh, in the main room. And Magic would have been up there as well in the main room. And me and my friend Cameron, um, we'd we done it for this sub promoter downstairs. And there was about four people. And I was nervous to them whole yeah. four people. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think sometimes in an emptier room, it's almost ner- more nerve wracking. It I really think. is. Yeah. It really is. I don't know why. Yeah. I can't explain that. I guess you can get eye contact with every person in the room. Yeah. Almost. And, and then it seems room. like they're really more interested in what you're doing rather than just being a throng. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like they are there just for you rather than a massive crowd and they're standing there because they can't get out of the crowd. I mean, how do you think you did that night? Probably terrible. <laughs> Probably terrible. Um, I, I wish that we had phones in them days to just film it all, but we didn't. Um, You'd be put, saying the opposite if they were if they do have phones then probably <laughs> it would get deleted. Ironically, Cameron actually does have some video footage of me playing in his shed, which to this day I'm sure he's still got somewhere in the archives. I've asked him for it, but I've not seen it yet. But I do remember him filming it. So okay. who knows? One day it might come out. Yeah, I, I, you'll I'd find out. 
<laughs> I know it's terrible. I know it's terrible. Um, but uh, yeah, that was it. So so March 2010 was was the first gig, and then the I think it was about three weeks later was the Opium gig, which was the first paid gig, and and it was Proc and Fitch actually headlining. And so James, who'd who was a resident percussionist there, who'd offer me the gig with him, kind of I warmed up for him, and then he went on with the headliner. And yeah, and I got I got my fifty pound that night, and I was absolutely buzzing. I must have played for about four hours. Yeah, bruises on my hand. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite intense, I'd imagine. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. Um, again, you, you just you just learn. I didn't know what I was doing, to be honest with you. But you have to jump in at the deep end. Yeah. Just to see my name on a flyer was kind of a oh my god, wow, my name's on something. Yeah. And I wasn't Bongo Ben either. It was my full name, not Benjamin Ben, but um, it was um, my full name. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, that, that that name wasn't even around then. But now it's your stage name. Yeah, <laughs> and I didn't come up with that, ironically. I, I genuinely didn't come up with that. No way. No, no, it kind of just, people were like, what do you do? I played bongos. What's your name? Ben. Bongo Ben. Okay. Well, yeah, well, I guess that's catchy. Bang. That'll do. <laughs> and then that was it. And it, But yeah, the Bongo Ben name didn't come around until about 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good Good two, three years into it. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's, uh, that's not me. I can't take the uh, responsibility for that one. No. But it worked. Yeah. It did work. So where was the point where you thought, actually, I'm, you know, I'm kind of winging this in a way. Do I need some extra schooling? You know, you mentioned your idols there, so to speak. What, yeah. what was that like, the next step? Um, so <clears throat> I never I never met Magic properly or had a good conversation with him until I was probably five, six years in. Shovel, as I mentioned, I'd never even met him mm-hmm. to this day. Um, Pav, I met on my first ever Ibiza trip, which was quite fitting, really. Um so he was playing in a bar in the West End, which for the life of me, I've completely forgotten. It's now not open. I actually got talking to his son, Cammy, who's now a percussionist as well up north. They're from Leeds. Um, so Cammy was playing. No, actually, no, he wasn't playing. Pav was playing. Uh, he might be warming up. But I was speaking to Cammy and he said, come down, Pav's playing. Mm-hmm. I know you want to meet him and everything. Uh, and I went down there. And, um, and that was that. And then I got, I got introduced to Pav. And, I, and there's a photo of me on my phone somewhere, and um, I've learned, I've treasured that photo because it was like I can't believe I'm meeting Pav. It was one of them moments. Yeah. So you'd first. already idolised him through those videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You imagine like watching someone for so long on YouTube, all these different videos. He's done Radio One. He's done everything. Mm-hmm. Manumission, the biggest night in dance music ever. Yeah, yeah. And and then all of a sudden you're you're meeting him in quite an intimate um, atmosphere. There's only about 200 people there. And uh, I had a chat with him and everything like that, and he gave me a little bit of advice. He always said to me, if you ever want to make it, don't go to the afters. I'll always <laughs> remember what he said, yeah. That is good advice. Not that I've ever taken that advice, but um, yeah, it was it was, it was was good advice, and stayed in touch with him, and I'd always message him and see where he's playing, everything like that. Um, and, and nine years on, I'm now getting messages from him, saying, I'm watching where you're playing, that amazing, keep going. And to then have it reversed, it's yeah. it's a bizarre feeling. It's it's amazing for him to say like, I'm, I'm glad you're keeping like the percussion and dance music alive. Yeah. Amazing where you played. I saw you do this, and to get that message yeah. back is is quite a feeling. Well, it shows you're doing the right thing. Is you know you're yeah, playing almost. to your talent totally. So on that first Ibiza trip, had you gone out there specifically to try and find work as Bongo Ben or Benjamin? Yeah. Or ben, so, <laughs> Benjamin. so again, it was still just uh, Ben Hallman. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was, so it was, a, it was a lad's trip. It was a lad's Ibiza trip. And believe it or not, I'd never been to Ibiza. It took me till I was 21 to go, which is quite shameful, really, considering what I now do. But um, I, I went with, there was about 10 of us on a boy's trip. And a promoter I knew that I'd been playing with... Um, in Essex and London, uh, too damn glam, Dyson. Mm-hmm. So Dyson's from Southend, so we've been doing a few clubs there, and we'd also done Pasha in London, which back in about 2011 was the place. Yeah, yeah. Such a, right on Victoria Station, yeah. such a good venue. And um, play with 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 them guys quite a lot. And uh, he said, look, we we do IB for every every year. We do a couple of beach clubs. There was a club called Delano's Beach Club, which I couldn't even tell you what it is now. It might be Nassau. Or it might be along that strip. It's okay. one of them. Yeah. Um, he had that. Um, he had something else. And he had space. And he had space on a Carl Cox Revolution Tuesdays. 
he had the red box mm-hmm. and uh, I was like Dyson there's got to be a way of me playing this surely he went yeah yeah of course yeah yeah I'm thinking no 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 there has to be a way of me actually playing this don't fog me off and um, I took me bongos out there and I went with a friend of mine as well CJ who plays uh, saxophone and we rolled up to Bora Bora and, and Jet Apartments the first day we were there and we were like let's just let's just ask them and this this is back then I don't, I don't really know what it's like now I've not been there for years Jet um, but it was rocking yeah. it was Essex takeover it and, and Liverpool takeover and it was absolutely booming and um, we rolled up to the DJ and we went can we set up he was like what do you do he said um, sax and percussion he went uh, okay so we set up and we just started playing and he was like oh okay yeah I get this now I get this and um, it erupted and it was unbelievable and the manager was there at Jet and he said afterwards can you come back can you come back tomorrow how long are you here for he said oh well, it's our first day we're here for five days you can come back tomorrow and I'll just you can have drinks all day alright cool did it again did it again the day after did it again the day after wow and it was our last night and um, it was the red box two damn glam and Dyson um Dyson broke the news to us at about 8 o'clock in the evening and went guys I'll be honest um, I've not told Space that we have musicians and I don't think there's any room and I was like and you're telling us this now he went yeah yeah but um, yeah I, I reckon we can find a way I went we're in the red box aren't we he said yeah I went there's a stage he went is there I said yes I went there on the Thursday night first night he went alright so me, CJ, Dyson, someone else met in the car park, which is obviously now high, and um, it was almost like we went through the kitchen. Do you ever see something from Goodfellas? Yes, I know exactly. Yeah, where, exactly where they're going where through the kitchen, went, yeah. <laughs> and then they're going through like staff quarters or wherever. That was basically it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I was I was only twenty one, twenty two. I was naive, but whoever the events manager was then, that Dyson was on good terms with, he done us a favour. Yeah. We got AAA. We got taken through the back. <laughs> I don't know where it was, but we come up and we were right by the red box, straight in. And again, like I said to Dyson, the stage was clear, straight on. um, And that was it. And we were very lucky to even get a photo. And I'll I'll treasure that photo. The space logo, the lot, me and CJ with with our instruments. Incredible. And that was kind of my first real, real Ibiza gig. And it happened to be space, Cole Cox night. Um, And you know what? It's, It's like many things you don't appreciate at the time, what's going on. True. Yeah, no idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was, yeah, that was July 2011. And that's a photo that, you know, probably can't happen again because of everything that's going on with space and Never. all of that. So that's, yeah. yeah, treasure that totally. And even the year after, it was it was not even called the Red Box. It changed again. Yeah. I feel like with space, the, the little rooms, they seem to kind of rebrand each year. Yeah. Almost or every couple of years or the setups. Um, and yeah, and that was, that was a photo that it probably wasn't even until months after that I kind of realised. And then when space announced they were closing, yeah. then you realise, oh my God, I've got a photo here. Yeah. I've actually ticked off space. Yeah. And then and you, you'll never get that back if you've never done it. So, I mean, in terms of you, when you're rocking up to a gig and you're going to play with someone or you're on the bill, do you know, do you have like a foresight of who you're going to be playing with or your preferred partners? How does that kind of work? Um, it probably almost falls in with, with everything else that's happened in the last three four years where I've I've really pushed it as an artist and a brand rather than kind of a money maker and it's almost like if you if you break up 10 years into say I don't know into three where it's the first three are almost a blag I'm being sociable I'm getting paid to be sociable I'm banging some goat skin for a couple of quid and I'm getting a free night out and I'm meeting people then you're thinking okay I'm earning a bit of money here maybe this could go towards something Oh, I want to play here actually maybe I should start pushing this start promoting myself social media has been born um, yeah I'm going to take advantage of this then it's the last third where it's hang on a minute what do you want to do here yeah I'm an artist I need to push this now you're a brand yeah you've got a serious following that's been built up right place right time almost but as well as absolute hard graft you're in with the right people you know the lane you want to go in and yeah so so that kind of question falls in with the last third where you've played with so many people that you know what people's sounds are you know when they're going to play and you just you you just know people that you're going to jam with now and and 
Um, where I've got various residencies, I know who I play with now. There's only specifics I play with, with Clockwork that work, uh, Love Juice, La Fiesta, a Hotbed, that kind of stuff where you just you just know where people work with you. There's DJs that love playing musicians. There's love. There's there's DJs that will just appreciate what you do and they'll they'll work with you. And there's just DJs that just don't feel like they want to work with musicians. So you just it all comes with experience and you, you know who you work with and who you don't. And if if there's a random gig that I've not been on before, I'll always go out of my way to speak to someone and kind of just speak to them and, and just yeah. brief what the set would be like and if they're up for it. And, yeah. and it's down to the promoter as well. If they want you on kind of... If they book me as a as a, an individual, usually they're going to want you on the, on the main set. So you know who you're going to play with. Yeah. And it's that set hour or that set two hours and, and it gives you a bit of planning almost yeah. to do. I mean, do you have any top line conversations with DJs or promoters? Do you have any specific ones in terms of a DJ saying, I'm going to play this track or whatever? Or is it just like you're constantly vibing off what they're doing and the crowd um, are doing? Yeah, it's very, very rare that a DJ will say to me specifically, I'm going to play this track. But if they do, it's it's because they do it for me, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, people like Annie Manston with Clockwork, he'll he'll say where 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 tracks have worked in the past, especially in Ibiza. He'll say, and and I've posted videos. He'll say, right, I'm going to play that track again near the end, or I'm going to open with this. So you get like a very vague idea, but but other than that, again, it, and it comes down to the people you you play with. If people like Jason Byer, I could tell you what he's going to play because it's regular. Whereas obviously yeah. people that go to see him, it's um, it's new to them, but for me, I know what he plays now, and I know what to vibe, and I know what to play with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, yeah, don't they don't tell me? It's kind of just right there, right now. I kind it's of all improvised on the spot. That's yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, Shovel actually quoted once and and said, "It's it's knowing when to not play is key," and I've always lived by that. And it's taken a few years to do that, but less is more yeah. a lot of the time. And even Pav told me that as well. Less is more. And it is the element of surprise. You, you, you'll get percussions that people just play and play and play, and it's almost—it's an overkill. It's yeah. it, there's no element of surprise anymore. Well, it's like that added spice, isn't it? It's like you know there could be a great vibe in the room, a brilliant track that's playing, and yeah. then you know you're not doing anything, and then the bit that you come in on that just elevates things just yeah, a little bit that, more. That's all your job is. You're not—it's not your show. At the end of the day, you're there to compliment. You're there to to um, support the DJ and I mean Pav even come out of another quote once where he said um, I make bad DJs look good and I make good DJs look amazing um, it's, a, it's a good attitude to have almost and, and kind of that is your job because you are you're a support act at the end of the day you're not, it's not your show so yeah all you're doing is making them look good or even better than they are already yeah I mean have you come up have you had any hurdles to overcome in terms of Having a chat with a DJ and they're like, actually, I don't want you to play or I'm not into percussionists. Or, yeah, or you'll get that. I've, I've not so much had that past few years, to be honest. Um, with like things like Clockwork, where you'll get people like Morales and Sanchez, who, I mean, I don't even ask. I'm Andy or Daniel will say, look, they don't want musicians. I'm like, that's cool. That's the, I kind of in my head knew that already. I know who I play with at, at Clockwork and, and other events. So you don't even... You don't even assume it anymore, um, but then you'll get you'll get surprises, and you'll you'll play with headliners that will go. Are you going to jump on with me? And it's like, uh, yeah, okay, cool. Didn't expect it, um, and you, you take it for what it is. But I just don't assume, yeah. to be honest. I've got you. You have your regulars, and you you have the people you vibe with, and if there's headliners that that do want to do it, which there is, there is some massive headliners that that want to want to vibe with percussionists, then, then you go with it and you take that chance. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. 
Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's been a moment where you've been like, holy shit. This guy's asked me, or this girl's asked me to play. Uh, yeah, funnily enough, last year, <laughs> last summer, yeah, uh, Idris Elba was one. Um, again, that was a that was a massive surprise. Um, my brother-in-law, um, he's a, he's a professional racer, so he had mixed with Idris on several projects, including like um, driving programs on, on TV and and stuff. He got to know him quite well, and um, he happened to just message him and say, "Look, my brother-in-law's playing." Uh, at high tonight um he's in the other room in, in the toilets but um he's going to come say hello so i went in there and um i just said like introduce myself and stuff like that and he, he said oh he's like benji gave me a hug i mean benji no one's calls me ben- my dad called <laughs> he me just benji. calls you benji he calls me benji i don't, I don't know where that come from but that i do and um yeah he, he he come over and he gave me a hug and he went you got your stuff with you i said yeah, yeah i'm playing in the um in the toilets he said no no come and play with me it's fine I was like, what? You went, yeah, yeah, just play with me, it's fine. <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, uh. So I went and got my stuff. And um, I said, <laughs> I hadn't even played with Jason by at this point. I said, Jason, I'm really sorry, mate. I'm going to have to um, <laughs> um, unplug at the moment. I'm going to come back later. He was like, what? I went, no, he just is, he's asked me to play in the club room with him. He's on for two hours. I'll be back at four. He went, oh, go on, get out of here. Go on. He was obviously joking, but um, he was like, yeah, go on. So I grabbed my stuff. I just went in there and I didn't ask any questions. Gave it to the sound guy. The sound guy was like, what? Uh, what are you giving me? I was like, mate, just plug it in, please. I don't care where it goes. Just make it work. Um, and and, it, and yeah, we plugged in and, and that was it. And um, yeah, it was amazing. I, I couldn't have, have asked any better for that. Um, it was incredible. And... Uh, and after that, he said, "He said, are you going back into the toilets? I said, yeah, I've got to go and continue. He went, I'll come with you. And MK was with him at the time. And then before we knew it, it was me, MK and Idris uh, playing in the toilets. Uh, yeah, it was it was bizarre. And again, it's one of them where you just you just crack on and I forget who I'm playing with. I'm just... Just in the zone. It's a track, come on, and you just play like you do. You don't overkill, yeah. you just... Yeah. And it's only when you wake up next morning and think... What was that last night? <laughs> Look at your phone, all the media, and um, yeah, that that was that was a moment. That yeah. that was my first gig at high as well. So I mean, I was You've nervous enough. That. Yeah, I mean, I was there pretty much every Friday after that because I was living living on the island last summer. But that was um, that was a some opener. So yeah, I, I actually. So then, what I would do, I would message Idris's tour manager every Friday morning and say, "Would he be up for it tonight?" And always get a message back, which was nice, and say, "Yep, yeah, he's game." And and I play with Idris for two hours in the, in the club room, and then Jason in the in the toilets for two hours. Um, so yeah, that that was that was Friday nights last summer at High. <laughs> incredible, to be honest. Absolutely incredible. I mean, I know what you've got coming up in um, later on this year. We'll kind of come on to that. But in terms of like obviously getting that call at last minute from Idris Elba, and it's like a holy shit moment. Is yeah. there anyone who you haven't played with that you'd love to? Obviously, you mentioned like oh Roger Sanchez, but. You know, maybe they don't like percussionists, but um, I actually had a good conversation with Todd Terry uh, last summer. He he'd come along with a friend uh, to Ocean Beach or O Beach, and um, he'd seen me play. And I got off, and he was like, oh, "I love what you do, blah blah. Why don't you play for Defected? <laughs> You've got Simon's number, not me." <laughs> kind of thing. Um, it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's, it's the brand I'd love to play for that I haven't ticked off, but. I was like, look, Todd, I'd love to jam with you. Like, if you if you if you appreciate that kind of thing, and he was like, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and it's actually this Saturday, so seventh of March, magazine um, is going to be the, the the first time that me and Todd are on the, the same lineup, on the same stage. Um, with Clock Stop, we were, but obviously different stages. 
Um, so you never know. I, I might be playing with Todd this Saturday. He, you never know. He, he's quite an opening guy. He's he's, he's very welcoming, and he, he likes to to kind of get involved in various things. So you never know. You never know with Todd. Even Roger. Roger's a really friendly guy, and he's quite open. So it all depends, really. A lot of the time, it's actually the agents yeah. that kind of just answer for them, and and they, and they kind of just assume, oh, he ain't gonna want to play with a, with a guy smashing drums to bits. Where yeah, yeah. it's not really my style anyway. So. Yeah, you never know. You never know what will happen. But Todd, Todd, I'd love to play with. Um, my ultimate DJ, who I've said to you before, DJ Harvey. <laughs> to play with yeah. Harvey would be uh, would be quite something. Yeah. Um, whether that's poolside at Pikes or some underground club in Tokyo. Uh, who knows? I don't know. Um, but that would be quite something. He started off as a drummer. He's got quite a good record collection, I hear. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. So you never know. Well, I mean, you know, you put this positivity out there in the universe and it, it comes back to you. I think you're an example of that, totally. Yeah, sometimes it's it's not overthinking, it's not looking into something too much, it's not trying too hard, it's it's just go with it and, and sometimes luck's on your shoulder. So, I kind of feel like I jumped ahead a bit there, but in terms of like, you're talking about the 10 years, like the first third, the middle third and the last third, what yeah. was... Before it, you started to like, but think, hang on, this starting to earn me some money here. Um, what was the day job at that point? You had a, you had another life outside of being a percussionist. Yeah, so I worked for um, I worked for a courier company. Um, I wasn't driving the bikes or anything. I wouldn't I wouldn't trust me behind any any sort of wheel. Yeah, I was working like kind of it was like account management. It was um, like logistics, so it was it was quite a stressful job to be fair. I do a lot of overtime, and it, there'd be times where in in them days clubbing was was seven days a week um and i think i in my generation kind of just got that last part of it where you could go out any night a week and, and experience it and i'd be doing that quite a lot and if i wasn't working i was clubbing and, and just networking and getting to know people and i was getting i was getting in at oh, five six in the morning i was getting up at seven o'clock and it was it was really hard, but you in your twenties yeah. and looking back now, actually it probably wasn't that difficult. You don't you don't remember how hard it was, do you? It's just you did it. And um, I remember having gigs up up in Mayfair on Tuesday, Funky Buddha, and I'd get in. I'd drop CJ home sometimes, and I'd be getting in at six, then getting up at seven, and then Wednesday I'd I could play somewhere like Sheesh in Chigwell when that started going. Thursday you could be in Romford, Friday I could be at Mojo's, Funky Mojo's in Woodford, Saturday I could be at 195 or Opium, then I could be at Warehouse, Sundays I could be at Sugar Hut, and um, and, and even Mondays you could go to Chelmsford if you wanted in Cupassa, which I think then became Purple Lounge, which then became Citizen, which I played all of them, Yeah, which was my age, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, you you could go out any any day of the week, and and I would do that. And yeah, I had a day job as well, and and that was that was quite tough. Um, you couldn't do that in your thirties. Yeah, you just couldn't do it. Again, you, you're only going to get to a position you're in by knowing people, introducing yourself, uh, going to all these venues, getting your face about, and that's what it's about. And and I, it's it's almost like I feel sorry for for upcoming DJs now because there is there is less opportunity. It's almost like you have to cram everything into a Friday to Sunday now. Yeah. And you've got to go to two, three events a night. And I know DJs that do that. And they network when they're not playing. And they'll go and do a day party. Then they'll go and do late evening. Then they'll go and do the early hours. And fair play to them. It's amazing. Because if you want it, you, you'll do it. Yeah. Um, I was just lucky that I could kind of spread it out over a week. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I've, I've always had a day job. And to this, to this day, I still have one. Um, if anything, if not the financial side, it's it's the the mental side of it, and it keeps you grounded, mm. and it and it just yeah, it, it keeps you kind of just flowing. Because if I didn't, I I don't know what I would do. I don't know whether I'd lay in bed till twelve lunchtime. I'm not a gym guy. I mean, you've only got to look at my Instagram. I'm not a gym guy. I'd rather spend all my money on shirts than gym <laughs> memberships. But yeah, it's 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 kind of one of them things. If if I didn't have that, yeah, I would probably be bored. Yeah, uh, I may I may make music. I don't know. I'd love to make music. I have done um, collectively with other people, and I'm done all right out of it. Um, but yeah, it's it's an end. It's not you're not playing live. It's it's not you don't get that buzz still. 
No. I'm not a producer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've always had a day job, so it's it's not it's not easy. Yeah. But like we say, if, if you want something that much, then you, you sacrifice whether it's sleep, <laughs> whether it's money, whether it's anything. Yeah opportunities you, you have to you have to do that if you want to get somewhere um, so what's been aside from the Idris Elba um, story we just heard the um, what would you say has been like your biggest career moment so far or, or is it still yet to come would you think um, oh I'd like to say it's still yet to come <laughs> absolutely um, probably amnesia last year as well one of them times I've if for anyone that's seen kind of that that short promo video I did with Mark DeGroote where I just kind of rounded up the year. Um, it was one of them moments where you're playing and, and it's the first ever day party in Amnesia's 45-year history and Clockwork have taken over from 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon on the terrace and I've gone on with Jason by just as the sun set him and he, and he drops that, that gap decor passion. And for, for, for me, when Jason says to you, I've played more times here than space. No, bearing in mind he's known as a space resident. He's played mm. more times in Amnesia. It's like two hundred and sixty times or something ridiculous. And he looks at you and and shows you his goosebumps on his arm. Bearing in mind he's done it that many times, you're like, yeah, this could actually be an experience here. Um, and yeah, and it, and the, I've never felt feeling like it down my neck and on my arms. I, I've got goosebumps before, but not like that. Mm. It was weird. And um, you've ne- five and a half thousand people. I'm getting it now. It's I'm getting it as well. <laughs> five and a half thousand people, yeah. and the roar. I've never heard a roar like it in my life. And I stopped playing, and I just looked at Jason, and just this grin. I didn't know where to look, and I looked at my mate in the crowd, and he had tears in his eyes. I don't know whether it's because he'd been up for four days or whether he was just enjoying it, but um, it was it was surreal. And um, just track after track, where he's dropping like Black Legend. Yeah. Um, and then after that, who was after that? Was before that? Graham Park went on, and he dropped um, "Big Love," and my God, I've never seen a reaction in Clubland like that in my entire life. I think it was after, and um, I've got it on my on my phone. I've posted in the Clockwork group a few times. I've never seen a crowd reaction like that in my life. Yeah, never seen energy like that in my life. And people say, if anyone ever says to you, "You're too old to be out." That video right there is the definition of why that is not true. Incredible. Yeah. Because you will not get used dancing like that. No. Or the energy. Yeah. Don't care what you're on or what you're doing, you ain't doing that energy. And, and it was incredible. And uh, for, for me, actually, hand on my heart, that was that was the best set for me at Amnesia Grand Park. Mm. That was absolutely incredible. But all of them, it was, it was, for me, that was probably collectively the best club night I've ever had in my career so far. Yeah. But um, yeah, for me, for that abroad, that was the best. But Clockstock Festival as well, last year was. So by the time this goes out, you'll be out there. I'll be, I'll be way into it. Yep, yeah. probably hairline further back, uh, paler than I went out, and and liver damage. But there you go. I'm sure my hands will still be intact. That's the main thing. Well, yeah, I mean, you did mention actually what well, something I wanted to ask you um, about, like hurt, like your hands hurting and like goat skin. But what yeah. you play now is electronic. Now it's a different sort of uh, injury. So yeah, previously it was um, it was goat skin. So you're constantly just force on it is is relentless. And I remember actually the, the day before space in 2011, and I'd split my finger from the from the top to the bottom literally all the way down and um we had vodka in the room and i poured vodka into it <laughs> bright thing to do at 21 years old but there you go um it worked i wrapped it up and i, and I carried on um and uh that that was one of the worst injuries i've ever had where it literally split the finger open but I, you always get black nails and bruises and calluses and all that stuff now where it's electric where there's certain pads uh, which are a lot smaller, so you can't hit it with your hand. You have to actually use your fingers. Um, you'd be, be a bit more precise. You, you actually damage your fingers more. And I've, especially with things like We Are Festival, you, you get black nails. Yeah. You literally get black nails the day after. Um, the first We Are Festival was a good seven, eight hour set. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did have toilet breaks, but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it was that was intense. Yeah. Um, and my fingers were a mess. All of it. All my whole hand. Wrists. Yeah. Arms. 
I'd wake up sometimes with 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 severe pains in my elbows. Would have been in the same position. Um, but yeah, it's all part and parcel, isn't it? It's, yeah. No matter what you do, you're always going to get something. So, but I've probably been quite lucky. Mine's are quite soft, considering. Um, you want to get those chopsticks on there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I broke them as well. I actually broke them on goatskin. I did that one night in um, in in Romford once. Yeah, and I must have hit it such at the wrong angle, and it split in half. And uh, I had to continue the evening with with one drum. Didn't really have the same effect, but one sound. <laughs> but there you go. That's what the electrics for now. Absolutely. And so, what would um, just want to kind of pick up on what your thoughts for the future are in terms of being part of that world of these live percussionists or live music uh, alongside DJs. Yep. Um, do you think that's going to become more prevalent? And what's your kind of view in terms of where where's the perfect place that you want to end up in 10, 15 years' time? I think with, with musicians, do you know what? It's probably actually not as popular now in, in certain aspects. So I almost want to, I'm probably wrong, but for me, I would like to say that Head Candy was one of the, the, the brands that was responsible for that kind of concept. And um and and they brought Pavin and they brought Laura in and they played together a lot, and it and it worked really well. And it, but it was the vocal and the and the funky house kind of stuff where now it's kind of some parties are tech house and there are a lot less vocal and and DJs just want to play their set and then they don't want interruptions and and me and Laura have actually had chats about this before as well where unfortunately and I'm sure it is with DJs as well you are going to get tired with the same brush sometimes where, believe it or not, saxophonists and percussionists in the dance world are varied. There is a massive difference between me and the next person and then them and the next person. But unfortunately, DJs will only have to have one experience where it didn't go according to plan and it's almost shut down. I'm not playing with a percussionist. I'm not playing with a sax player. Where you, you are almost on a constant uphill battle where I feel like I am a lot of the time where Laura is as well um, you, you will it, it saturates the market for instance where someone can just say I'm going to buy a pair I'm going to play for a few quid yeah. and then you'll get someone else to be like this is my passion I'm trying to make music I'm trying to play I know when to not play blah 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 but unfortunately you will get labelled with the same title and um, that that's that's the challenge we will have um, and, and it's it's almost lucky that we're in the position we are now where we we've made a little bit of a name for ourselves with Laura more than me but you've made a name for yourself that you can build on that whereas you're not coming to the game now for, for anyone coming to the game now I feel like my advice would only just be be a bit original don't don't just play for the sake of it know your your angle and know your market and know where you want to play because there's percussionists that will play across the board to different genres there'll be percussionists that will specialise in corporates there'll be percussionists that will only play um acoustic um, and for me and I, I know my angle I'm sure Laura knows her angle and that that's all I would say is just find your your angle and your lane and stay in it um, for me in the next 10-15 years good question I mean after time I don't know what I'm doing a year later let alone a decade <laughs> later but um, where I am now and what I'm trying to build on as a brand and as an artist um, yeah but there, there's little goals personal goals you you would have that I'm, I'm sure all DJs have as well is for me like I'd love to play in every continent I'd love to tick every continent I mean it could be anywhere for me I'm not picky I'd just like to, to tick off every continent I've got I've got halfway now so um, I've, I've not what got the dangerous want, ones out of the way yet I was going to say what have you got left South America <laughs> South America <laughs> Africa um, and Australasia so I mean don't rule me out for Antarctica but um <laughs> I've got the top three ticked off, Asia, North America and Europe, so we're halfway there. Um, but little goals like that for me, um, there's certain cities I'd like to do, there's certain brands I'd like to play for still, not mention any names, Mr. Dunmore. Um, but, you know, it's, it's the scene's changing constantly and, and if it's meant to be, it's meant to be and you, you'll play with artists that will work and, and if it's not the right place in the right time, it won't work. But the brands I'm playing with now and the resident um, the residencies that I hold with, with the brands, they're, they're, they're leading the market and there's absolutely no reason why I, I need to go anywhere else and I'm, I'm more than grateful of, of playing it. And I'm very lucky as well with, 
I'm across the ball where I've got Love Juice and I've got Clockwork. It's such a different age group and such a different market and generation. Yeah. And I'm banging the middle of it at the moment. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm 16 years between the two. Yeah. Well, the average age between the two. Um, and, and I'm really fortunate with that. And, uh, and it's a different type of music. It's a different crowd whatsoever, different venues, different music and different dates so they don't clash. And it's, it's, it's perfect. Um, so I'm grateful where I am at the moment. But um, yeah, for, for me... It's kind of just, a, I don't plan too far ahead. Um, and it, it's just kind of, if the moment's there, I'll take it. Bang. Right. We're going to do the tracks. Let's do the tracks. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I know we've had a load of back and forth on this. And you had oh, to like, difficult. just fire off the message and be like, it's done. They're picked. I know, I had to. I had to, I had to send it because I would have just kept changing it and changing it. I've written it, I've written them down. Yeah, I'm glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, uh, yeah, we always kick off. This is obviously for the five tunes, different themes for our Spotify playlist, the perfect playlist that we have. Yeah. Um, everyone's added to it. Um, we always get the catalyst, the one tune or a tune originally got you into house dance music. What have you chosen? Tell um, us about it. So I've chosen Chicane Saltwater. So, again, going back to when I was shopping at 13 years old in Woolworths spending I don't even think it was paper round money I don't know what it was probably my mum just leaving money out I don't know anyway so uh, I would spend money on, on compilations and that was the first track number one CD one and I played it and I was like what is this Yeah. bearing in mind like I said I'd been listening to like trance and it, it is obviously it's, Chicane is, is known for that kind of stuff as well but it was like a I couldn't describe it at the time it was just what is this genre? What is this music? It really chilled me out. But at the same time, it took my imagination somewhere back to this island that my brother was describing that I'd never <laughs> heard of. Um, but yeah, it was it was one of them and I'll never forget Chicane. I love all Chicane's music. He's, yeah. he's an absolute genius at what he does and mm-hmm. um, all that type of music. Um, I've always been to like the Moby stuff yeah, um, and, and like Zero Seven. Just yeah. chill out. I love chill out music as well and and... For me, he's, he's the leading guy, and and yeah, that was the first track I ever remember on that compilation. Got me into dance music. It's a good opening track as well. It's got that ethereal. I think it's a sample from Clanad, like an yeah, like a yeah, Irish I think it is. Band. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Right, uh, what's the next one on there? Is it the um, um, the floor filler? Yeah, the floor filler. Um, again, like I said, it had to be for me. Pete Heller, Big Love, the David Penn remix. Yeah, and and going back to that story, Graham Park dropping that. Uh, last summer at Amnesia 5,000 people on that terrace still daylight sun's going down um, and that piano drops it just gives me goosebumps every single time such a fantastic tune it's lived on in so many incarnations over the years yeah yeah, absolutely Pete Heller must be just smiling constantly (laughs) Um, but yeah it's just one of them and it was just one of them moments where everyone's looking at each other grins goosebumps um just the euphoria and the love in the air. Well, I mean, that's what it's all about as well, isn't it? Like just looking at that person next to you on the dance floor. You've never seen them before in your life. Nope. And just having that moment where you're all smiling and listening to some fantastic music. Yeah, yeah. it is literally a matter of unity. That yeah. that track is is the definition of unity on a dance floor for me. What's the next one? Is it Sunsetter? The Sunsetter. Um, so for me, the only person I actually know that's dropped this on a sunset again is Mr Dunmore um, he done it in Mambo but I wasn't there to hear that I only saw the track list um, I got into this track watching um, what is that film Straight Out of Compton so Dr Dre plays this sample Marvin Gaye I Want You it's the first time I'd heard it yeah. I was like my god what is this Yeah, and it's I got love some Marvin. great percussion on it as well the amazing percussion it starts with the percussion yeah. as well yeah and um and I heard this track and I was like, oh my god, what is this? Then realizing John Morales had made a remix of it, and which Dunmore played, and I just fell in love with the track. Simple yeah. as that. And um, the vocals, the length of the track, it's there ain't no rushing that track. It's so relaxed and calm. You got your percussion, you got your vocals, and just the tune and the melody. Yeah, it's just incredible, and and it gave me goosebumps. And I've played it myself at sunsets, sitting on my balcony last summer. Um, just chilling with it. It's, it's such a laid back track, but so soulful. Yeah, I mean, it's so I hadn't heard it for a long time, and then obviously just before we sat down, I was like, I'll listen to all your choices. Yeah, and yeah, I was like, I had to listen to the whole nine minutes of it. It's it's 
yeah. incredible piece of music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the tearjerker. Tearjerker. I've got to say this one um, before I actually say my choice because I would have done this otherwise. Mr. Brandon Blocked stole mine. <laughs> Joni Mitchell. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go into it because it actually makes me upset. But it's, it's very moving track. Very it's fair very enough. That's track. what we need to say. Yeah, very moving track. He knows the track. Yeah. Um, that was his. But yeah, for me again, I'm I'm going to go back to another house track. Uh, and again, I'm going to go back to to last summer. Get decor passion. Mm-hmm. And it's one of them where it will actually get me emotional. It doesn't just get you euphoric. It doesn't just make you dance. It doesn't just make you jump up and down. It's just that it. It gives you goosebumps and it and it puts them hairs on the back of your neck, yeah. standing up and um and that will, will always stay in my memory no matter what. For me, that is that is my tearjerker. It will make me emotional. Do you prefer the vocal on it or the original? Uh, original, yeah. It's got to be yeah. It's got to be the original. Um, yeah. It's just one of them. You can hear it coming in as well if, you, if it's mixed properly and it's you can hear it and it's. Yeah. You, you well, just you get can, ready almost, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, like you can start it from the beginning. It has got that dr- great drop in, like the string straight off at the beginning, or you can start from the beats. And like you say, you can. It's got that kind of rolling beat on it. Yeah. When you hear that coming in, you you know you start yeah. jumping, don't you? Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, yeah, my last tune. So again, obviously, if I was a DJ, never say never. Um, End of the night, for me, one track I would play is is Prince's I Want to Be Your Lover, the Dimitri from Paris remix. Um, it's just one of them where I don't know what he's done to the track other than add the crowd, which really emphasises the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, it, it's just it's just brilliant. It's one of them where it just gets everyone going. Um, we, we had it at uh, Love Juice's 10th birthday at Electric Brixton a couple of years ago. Sammy Porter dropped it and it was just... No one saw it coming, and it just such a, a, a mood booster. And everyone like, was like, oh, it's the end of the night. And he dropped that, and was like, do you know what? Though it's the end of the night, but my god, how do you end <laughs> on a track better than this? Yeah. And um, it's just, it's just again, it's a feel good track. I've heard it a couple of times since then uh, as a last track, and for me, it, it's not many better. Mm. Um, and it's it doesn't have to be house. It does. It's not slow at the same time. Like, it's just it's just a mood booster, and it's it's brilliant. And obviously Prince is, is who he is, so yeah, yeah. You, you're not going to get much better than that. No, and I think, yeah, like you say, it's got that crowd on it. I think he's taken like a live version and bolted it together with like yeah. the original somehow. And, yeah, it all and just it works. it emphasizes the atmosphere yeah. massively. It just it's, drops in. As soon as those, he's got the crowd singing on it, yeah, it's really yeah. good. It's, it's like yeah. it adds another 10,000 people to the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Um, Amazing. So yeah, incredible for me. Good. Um, okay, so... That's it, but we have one final question. And, like, you know, you're, you're part of house culture, house music culture, dance music culture, yeah. Uh, doing what you do. Um, what has it brought you in your life? Um, for me, on a personal level, it's, it's, it's kept me going. I've, I've not had an easy few years um, on, a, on a family level. So, for me, it's, it's, it is a, it's not just a distraction, it's, it's a, it's a project. It's, it's your life project. You put everything into it, and it's your way out. And, and music saves so many people. Yeah. No matter what the genre, music saves people, and um, and it will continue to. And, and and for me, that that is what I turn to is music. Whether that's performing, whether that's listening, whether that's just watching. Um, it's 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 a way out for me, and um, and it's really really helped mentally and physically, um, and. I've only really just started appreciating it the last few years, but it's it's an eye opener for me. And and a lot of people think that as well. I think that you can work so hard, but it only gets to about your ninth or tenth year before careers can sometimes start. And that's that's where I feel like I'm going right now. And um, I can only put that down to to music and where we are on the scene. So uh, yeah, I'm grateful for for the people around me for for pushing me into that as well. So we'll see what happens. Can't wait to see what happens. Yep, I can't wait either. <laughs> God, we'll see. Brilliant place to end. Yeah, perfect. And this, yeah, that's great. Thanks, Matt. I'm sure we'll be having an interview in about another ten years. <laughs> we'll see where you are. We'll see where <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah, I won't have any hair. <laughs> Neither will I. House culture.
amazing stuff, right? Let's hope we can look back on all of this in 10 years and really appreciate the scene we're going to rebuild out of this current situation. I want to personally thank Ben for taking part and for sharing that goosebump-inducing Gat Decor story. I've been chatting to him recently and he has been playing out at the few events that have managed to take place over the past few months, but obviously we all need to club together and support this scene once we're able to get out and dance again. For the completists amongst you, the name of that bar in Ibiza San Antonio that neither me nor Ben could remember, you know, the one that Sam Devine was discovered in, it was of course called Hush. I hope some of you weren't screaming that answer out too loud. However, if you do want some tunes that you can scream along to, be sure to check out our perfect playlist on Spotify. All you need to do is open up your Spotify player, search for House Culture Perfect Playlist, and here you'll find all of the tunes that Ben and I chatted about, as well as submissions from all of our previous podcast guests. Make sure you follow it to stay up to date with what is becoming a truly essential selection. But... I must mention that Ben's choice for his final track, the epic Dimitri from Paris remix of Prince's I Wanna Be Your Lover, is not on Spotify, but you can find it on SoundCloud, so enjoy it over there. Once you've tucked into all of those tunes, please help support the House Culture Podcast by loving, liking, tweeting, sharing and rating or reviewing us on Apple. As I always say, this last bit is really important. Please help make a difference. If you say something good, We'll give you a shout out on the next episode. This time around, I'm giving a shout out to Austin Wallace, who got in touch on Facebook to tell us that he thought our Mark Archer interview was one of the best audio history lessons he had ever heard, and that not having listened to any kind of podcast before, he is now hooked. Well, Austin, what more can I say? Thanks so much for that. Our work here is obviously done, apart from continuing to create new episodes for you to listen to, of course. And finally, Don't forget, if you want to get in touch with me, Matt Rouse, you can contact me directly on Instagram at DJ Matt Rouse. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and see you next time. House Culture. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.